What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 17 of the Tigers Avenue podcast. Appreciate y'all continuing to listen and supporting. Got some news and, and some updates and everything uh, all tied into this episode, as well as some former Tigers doing some incredible things in the NFL. Let's go ahead and start it off right there. Man, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase and the Cincinnati Bengals. What an incredible run they are on in the playoffs. And here they are now finding themselves in position to win a Super Bowl. First time to win the AFC Championship since 1988. What a legend that Joe Burrow is and the legacy that he has built around himself seems to continue to grow. I'm not going to lie, Zach. I really thought that Kansas City was going to win this game. Seeing as it was in Arrowhead, uh, Kansas City seemed like the hottest team in in the league at at the moment. And I I really just, with their playoff experience and Patrick Mahomes' home game, I really thought that they were going to win this game. But Joe Burrow does what Joe Burrow does and leads his team to victory. This this game was so crazy similar to the first time they played the played the Chiefs. It was it was crazy. Like it opened the game opens up and the Chiefs are absolutely dominant offensively. And it seems like the Cincinnati Bengals have absolutely no answer for their offense. Their their defense is just getting ran all over, and that's how it went in this game. And the offense is not quite there. It's kind of going, but it's not there yet. Same thing in the second game here in the AFC Championship. There, the offense is there, but it's not quite there, and and it goes to half, eleven point deficit, just like it did the first game, twenty eight seventeen in the first game, twenty one ten in the second game, and then the Bengals in both games stepped up on the defensive side of the ball and did not allow the Chiefs to score a single touchdown in either game in the second half. After like a completely dominant performance in the first half of both games, the Chiefs were absolutely shut down. In the first game, they only kicked a field goal, one field goal in the second half. And for this game, the AFC Championship, they only kicked two field goals in the second half. And Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd got it done on the offensive side of the ball to complete the comeback and win the game in overtime. And what an incredible play by Jesse Bates out in the open field to bat that ball down from Tyreek Hill and for it to fall right into Von Bell's hands. It just was perfect. The offense marched right down into field goal position, and none other than the shooter himself, Evan McPherson, Mr. Automatic, drills the the game-winning field goal just like he did against the Titans. I, I think that Evan McPherson, honestly, so far, has been the MVP of the playoffs 
because he has been incredible, not only in the playoffs, but their entire season. They are For proving sure. why they drafted, used a draft pick on a kicker with him because he has been incredible in his rookie season. Last I checked, he leads the league as a rookie in 50-plus yard field goals. So here they are in the in the, in the in the Super Bowl. They're going to be playing the Los Angeles Rams. And how, incra- how crazy is this, Zach? 54 years went by. 54 years went by with a Super Bowl that the team that hosted the Super Bowl, the city that hosted the Super Bowl, their team did not make it to the Super Bowl. 54 years. And in back-to-back years, crazy. the team hosting the Super Bowl makes it to the Super Bowl. Of course, last year it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and this year the Los Angeles Rams make it. So this is another tough game, obviously. I mean, you're in the Super Bowl. You're going to be playing a tough opponent, two best teams in the league. But not only do you have to play them, you got to play them in their stadium. you got to go to SoFi. you got to fight a home crowd, essentially. And it is what it is. But people claimed that the Chiefs had the best home field advantage or one of the best home field advantages in the league with the Red Kingdom, the Chiefs' kingdom, whatever you want to call it. And it really didn't seem to face Joe Burrow that much. So I don't think he's too worried about it, in in my opinion. So I, I'm pumped for Joe, and obviously we're pulling for him and hope for him to to, to do the best uh, possible in the Super Bowl. And, and how incredible would it be, Zach, to see Joe Burrow in his second year in the league lead his team to a Super Bowl when last year he only won – when he started, he only won two games – and the entire season, the Bengals only won four. Uh, of course, they won two more after his injury. But a four-win season to now in a, a Super Bowl appearance. Um, it is quite the turnaround. And, I mean, all the credit in the world to Joe being a leader and Jamar being this X factor to add another weapon to their offense. T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, all those guys I listed, Joe Mixon. Uh, it's just a fun team to watch. It really is. and. Nobody really gave them a chance in, in, in the AFC Championship. Now here they are. And uh, I'm so excited about it. And another thing is there has never been a, a, a player to win a national championship, to win a Heisman, and then go on to win a Super Bowl. And Joe Burrow has the chance to do that all within like three years. He's set up and himself to do that. I mean, I don't think he'll win the MVP, but I don't either, that would but be incredible. At this point, how he's playing, man, it seems like he deserves it. It would be incredible. It, it truly would. What an incredible player Joe Burrow is. He truly is just a transcendent talent. Legend. I, mean, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a guy be so poised in just about every situation he's put in. Never out, never down. Just – Incredible player, truly incredible, talented as all get out, poised, mature. We're going to be seeing a lot of Joe Burrow for a long time in the league, and I like seeing him in a Bengals uniform. It's it's really fun. And hopefully, they can keep Jamar and him after these rookie their rookie contracts. They'll, they'll keep them together and, and and keep this team together as long as possible. Uh, they'd be stupid not to. <laughs> so <laughs> for real, if they could. If they could solidify a Super Bowl this year and then maybe push for a few more before their con- their rookie contracts finish up, man, pay them. 
Pay them. When it comes time, they're going to be paying Joe Burrow some big money. I tell you what, he's going to have a big contract when his rookie contract expires. Well, what Zach, what are your thoughts on on uh, you know, what he's accomplished and and what it means to Louisiana and LSU for Joe Burrow to do this? Well, first off, I think you know, it's it's really cool. I don't, I don't know if you've seen yet on on social media, but man, he comes into LSU He's got 2018, and then 2019, he does what he does in 2019, and we go undefeated and we win the national championship. He goes to the Bengals. He gets injured the first year. He sits out. They only win four games in total with and without him. And then he comes into his second year, and he has now taken that team to a Super Bowl in his second year. And uh, and really – Really, Reagan, if we're being honest, it's 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 more like his rookie season because of how much he missed last year. Uh, I mean, you could say, he, you know, maybe his season and a half or so now that he's played, but really more so it's like his rookie season and he has led this team to the Super Bowl, which is just absolutely incredible. And what a huge, huge recruiting tool for LSU, especially coming off this weekend you know, where you have all these big-time recruits that are that are in Death Valley. And then on, on Sunday, you, you turn on the tape and you've got Jamar Chase and you've got Joe Burrow going to the Super Bowl and, and, and beating the top-ranked team in the AFC, really, uh, the, the favored team in the AFC to go to the Super Bowl and the Chiefs. And then you turn the channel and you've got – OBJ catching the first touchdown of the Rams and 49ers game, right? I mean, NFLSU is alive and well. And, man, the Super Bowl is going to be four hours of watching an LSU football recruiting ad. It, it's gonna, it's incredible. And, and, and <laughs> I, I'm excited about it. Now, talk about the game. I think the game, honestly, I know I know some may disagree with me here. I think the game was won in the first half. And here's what I here's what I would say. They were down 21 to 3, and they take over. And I felt like at that point they had to have a touchdown. Like they had to score before they got to half and, and get just some sort of momentum going for that team. Because it was looking like it was about to be a rout. Right, it was kind of looking like, you know, the game, the first game they played in the beginning, same situation, and man, you could tell when Joe Burrow when they had that play set up to P Ryan Samaji P Ryan, you could just tell like it, see it in Joe Burrow's face before pre snap, he was confident, he was composed, and was still in the moment. You know, he hadn't given up yet, and you know they they throw that little screen pass to Samaji, and he takes it to the house. It's 10 to 21, and you're going, okay, let's let's get to halftime. Y'all get the ball at half, and then we can try to come out at half and score a touchdown. And lo and behold, the Chiefs go right down the field, and they're at the one-yard one line because of the pass interference by Eli Apple, and you're going, well, crutch, so much for that. And then as much as, as crap as Eli Apple has taken this week, and he deserved it, but – 
he stepped up and made a huge play there before the half on the hit on Tyreek Hill to keep him out of the end zone and keep that a ball game. I questioned why Reed did not, Andy Reed did not kick the field goal there. I, I you know, because if I mean hindsight's always twenty twenty, but if you, if you kick the field goal there, then that field goal you kick at the end of regulation is for the win. You know, so yeah, I, I think the game was won in the first half, but they they really made wonderful adjustments offensively and defensively in the in the second half uh, to really to be able to take over that game. And so, yeah, man, I, I'm excited. I'm pumped. Joe Shiesty, Joe Burr, Joey B, man, whatever you'll call him, he's the legend. He is a legend. It better be soon that LSU is building a statue of him outside of uh, Death Valley because, man, he if he goes out and he wins a Super Bowl here in a couple of weeks, look out. Yeah, I <laughs> – I don't think it'll be very long before <laughs> there's a statue of Joe Burrow. I don't think it'll take very long to get one out there. I mean, Heisman, national championship. If he wins the Super Bowl, Super Bowl winner, it ain't going to be very long. Well, you know, they got to give it like, I think it's a five-year period or something like that before that happens. But, man, put it up now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't see – a situation where <laughs> there isn't a statue of Joe Burrow. I think it'll be sooner than later. But if there isn't, the LSU fans are going to come and mob mob the campus. <laughs> it'll be sooner than later, there's no doubt about that. And we're excited for Joe and Jamar and all the LSU players competing in the Super Bowl. Um, just goes to prove what kind of talent LSU puts out all the time. All right, let's move to the hardwood here. Uh, LSU basketball had a, a, a split week. They, they they win a game against Texas A&M. Uh, they lose a game to TCU in Fort Worth. The, the, the Texas A&M game, I guess we'll start there. Tigers win 70-64 and really a hard-fought game all game long, back and forth, tooth and nail. It wasn't pretty. Uh, wasn't the prettiest game ever, that's for sure. And, you know, Brandon Murray had an incredible game that game. And I, I was really pleased to see how he played and Eric Gaines and, of course, Tari Eason. And we were short in that game, shorthanded again. Um, I, I really thought, um, like I said in last week's episode, that that we would be full health again with Days and Pinson in the A&M game. And that just wasn't so. You're short Days and Pinson again. But they went out and they got the dub, and Eric Gaines came up massively at the end of the game. They took a, a two-point lead. I think it was 66-64. to 64. And, man, there was a lane as big as biz, big as, as it could possibly be for this Texas A&M player to drive to a wide-open bucket just for a layup. Or it looked like he was going to slam it, but, I mean, he was wide open. And Eric oh, he Gaines was, he was comes, going to slam it. It was wide open. And Eric Gaines comes out and just glasses it. We blocked it. Texas A&M kicked it back out. Missed the three. We got the rebound. They started fouling, and we hit the game-winning, game-sealing free throws to, to put the game away. That was a tough game, and it sure, like you said, wasn't pretty. But they got to win without Pinson. 
without Darius Days. It, it, it goes down as a W, though. Now, we move to the TCU game. Zach, it, we lost, and that just is what it is, I feel like. I, I mean, I, I don't want to make any excuses for this game. I mean, because there was way, way too many things we did wrong in this game that we could have done right. And I will say, Day, Days was in. Pinson was on a very strict um, minutes limit. He only played, I'm not sure exactly how many minutes, but it was only in the first half. Seven minutes. Seven minutes in the first half. And he he played all seven minutes in the first half. He didn't play any in the second half. And I'll tell you right now, it was very apparent as to why Pinson has not been playing. Pinson was very clearly... Not gimpy, but he was very ginger on his leg. He was very easy on his leg. He was wearing Bother. a brace. It was not the typical fast cutting pinson that we tip that we're used to seeing. He was not moving harshly on it. He was not making the type of cuts we typically see him 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 do with the ball in his hand. It, it became evident to me, like okay. There's a reason he hadn't been playing. Like we, we all understand, it was the we all understood. You know, it was for the injury and whatnot. And we we were told a week to or a few days to a week, and we're all like, you know, what what in the world? You know, why why is this taking so long? Well, clearly he's he's taking longer than expected to heal, um, because he was taking it very easy on his leg Saturday, and I, I just feel like even with him in those seven minutes, it still wasn't the same. Even those so, those short, you know, yeah. seven minutes that he was in, it still was not what we were used to seeing. The office wasn't wasn't used what we were used to seeing uh, under a Pinson led offense because he wasn't able to do what he normally could do. Um, Days had a great game. Uh, I mean, he was attacking the board, playing really tough, banging down in the paint. I really liked his game on Saturday. <laughs> I feel like recently, Imwani Wilkinson has arisen as our best three-point shooter. And, and I know that's crazy <laughs> to say. Like, He's I know that's that crazy to say. 46%. Yeah, 46%, 46% from front, behind the arc. He doesn't shoot many, but when he does, he hits them a lot. And, and, and it's always in a corner. They're always either in one of the corners, and he's typically wide open. And, and honestly, I I really think that teams are going to start seeing that on film because it's been happening a little bit more than than it had been before. We'll see going forward how that continues, but um, we definitely got to get healthy uh, as a, as a whole with the basketball team. Clearly, um, Pinson is clearly still not himself. Um, and, and, and days, you know, has been dealing with this leg ankle stuff. I, I think he's going to be good to go for the rest of the season, unless he just retweaks it or whatever. But Pinson, I don't know. It may take him still a few games or so to get right. Thankfully our, our schedule, it, it, it is lightening up. We have Ole Miss on Tuesday night and we have about a six game stretch where we really need to win just about all six of these games. We we really have to win all six of these games. We we dropped in the rankings obviously because we lost to TCU. 
I mean, it's not a terrible loss. It's probably your I hate to say this, but it's probably your not your your it's probably your worst loss of the season at TCU. But it's still a quad one loss. Uh, um, so it's not a terrible loss. It's probably your worst loss of the season. And it really just stunk because I, I, it was one of these games where I feel like, like I feel like we lost to Arkansas. I feel like we lost to Alabama and uh, Tennessee because of injury-related issues. And in this game, I feel like that wasn't the excuse. Like finishing at the rim. We missed so many shots at the rim. It was just unbelievable. Will Wade gave a stat uh, today. It was that TCU shot over 50% in just mid-range shots, period. But when it came to LSU with layups, they only hit 42%. Now, 42% is typically, you know, a, a good percentage when you're talking shooting. When we're talking about layups, when TCU hits over 50% of their shots from just mid-range period, that's not including, I mean, that's, that's, that's you know, anywhere within the perimeter, you know, other than maybe a layup and a, and a dunk. Mid-range shots, they had a better percentage than you than you did at layups. You have got to start finishing at the rim. It is clearly a problem. I don't know what the issue is, but Will Wade said him and his staff spent like an hour and a half the other day uh, on on Sunday with an an NBA analyst, uh, an NBA coach, uh, doing some analytics on finishing at the rim because he wants to correct that problem because it's clearly a glaring problem. I can't tell you how many times I got so frustrated watching us miss shots at the rim. It was really aggravating, and this was really the most frustrating game I think I watched all season long. And what's crazy is LSU continued to fight throughout the entire game and made it a game. In the second half, they came out, put up like three threes in a row, and brought the lead to like 16. And it felt like all hope was lost. And then LSU called a timeout when it went up. When they went up sixteen, LSU went on timeout, came back out, went on a thirteen to two run. So they put themselves right back in it, and, and they were in position to win. Uh, but they every time they got within four, three, four, five points, they could not capitalize on offensive possessions, and a lot of them were missed shots at the rim. So it needs to be addressed. Zach, what's your thoughts here on the basketball team and uh, going forward? And, and and man, what what needs to happen for us to to get some prolonged success here? Man, I'll, I'll continue to reiterate this throughout the season. I, I've I've really liked the the fight that they've shown in them when. They have when they've gotten down and 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 they've come back and overcame some large deficits. I think that's very encouraging. I mentioned that the last podcast, and the reason I say that again, something I'll continue to reiterate, is because this year it's just going to be really hard to win on the road because of the inexperience with your freshmen from this year and your freshmen from last year not playing and true road games, not playing in any type of environment 
like that in college basketball. And so, you know, those are going to be tough. Honestly, man, I think this comes down to shooting. I mean, if you just look at the TCU game, TCU was shooting almost at 50% on the night. And then LSU is shooting at 36%. I mean, that's just not going to get the job done. And as you mentioned, a lot of that is just not finishing at the rim. Uh, And LSU has got to be able to do that, especially down the stretch. Now, as you said, the the schedule is about to get lighter. So I think, you know, this is an opportunity for LSU offensively to gain some confidence in themselves because these next few opponents are going to be lower tier opponents in the SEC. And so even though it's games that, you should win and, and we're expected to win. We need to use these opportunities to capitalize and work on our offense for when we get into the SEC tournament, the NCAA tournament, because you're going to have to score in those games in order to to win ball games. I've, I've said it, I think, three or four times. I tweeted it the other day. Uh, on Twitter, on our Twitter at, at Tigers Avenue Pod, if they can get to 70, if this team can score 70 points, the likelihood of them winning is is very, very high. Now, when they struggle to shoot and they're and they're struggling to get to 60, they're they're going to lose ball games, and you've seen that. You've seen that throughout this entire season, and. And so you've got to continue to work on the offense. Now, something that was interesting in the TCU game, the 70-70 points that you allowed is the highest amount of points that you allowed on the season. As I mentioned, they were shooting at a 50% clip. So, you know, TCU was – they were getting buckets. I mean, I watched I watched bits and pieces of the game while I could. Again, I was at work. But, man, it just seemed like every time the Tigers were able to pull close, they just hit a – TCU hit a big shot. You know, they, they were just they were just making just about everything they put up. You know, I think this is going to be a game that you see where the defense struggled, but I don't, I don't think it's going to something be something that continues necessarily throughout the rest of the season because we've seen them consistently play very well at defense. I think this game is going to be an outlier. But it, it, was, it was really hard to watch – on Saturday as, as they fell to TCU and a team that you really thought you were going to get a win there. I mean, you, you we were counting that. I think me and you both were counting that as a win, and, and they just really struggled. So right now for the Tigers, it, it's been kind of frustrating to see these losses. I mean, in the last 10 games, they're 5-5. Five and five. And so that's been hard for Tiger fans to watch, but I think we have to uh, hold on to the, the hope that we're getting into this easier part of the schedule and they should rip off, you know, a good, you know, six, seven wins here down the stretch, even, even more so because you're going to be favored in most of those ball games as, as we have mentioned before. So man, they just got to work on things. I, I love, you know, you mentioned Will Wade, man, he is, he is so, so just detail oriented when it comes to him wanting to fix what, what is what is wrong and what the problem is and because he sees that and he knows it and he he wants to make sure that they address that and he is doing that so I have confidence that this team they're only going to get better they're only going to get better 
And I think we're going to see that throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, and I got to agree. But they do need to – I agree that I think they're going to finish this, this regular season strong. I really do. Uh, and I think we're going to see probably six wins in a row here. Uh, I mean, you have Ole Miss, then you have Vanderbilt, A&M, State, Georgia, South Carolina. And I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing we get six wins there, but you should get six wins in a row here. You, you really should. You will be favored in all these games. The, the, the two games in this stretch here that I'm worried about is the A&M and the State game. you got to play A&M and A&M. We played them close. We played them close without Days and without Pinson. Um, if you have Pinson and Days for that game, I think obviously Pinson will be stronger by then, and, and Days seems like he's ready to roll. I think we'll get that one. But it's in College Station, and they played us close. So that's one game in this stretch I'm worried about. And State is a sneaky good team. They really are. State has been flying under the radar, I feel like, all season long. Um, they're 13-7, and seven and they have some good wins, and they have a good team. They have built their team. I think I said this before in another podcast with, with transfers, and it's a solid team. It really is. Good news here is you get to play them in Baton Rouge. You get to play them in the PMAC, and that's a week from this coming Saturday. So you're, you're going to be almost fully healthy, if not already fully healthy, by the time you play both of these games. Um, so I like the Tigers to win all six of these. So say you win all six of these, you're sitting at 22-5. and five. You're sitting at 22-5, and five, which I feel like is a really good record. And then you play Kentucky at Kentucky. I'm going to say it's a loss. You play Missouri into the PMAC. You play Arkansas and Fayetteville and Alabama at LSU. Now, you, like I said, you really need to capitalize on all six of these games because you got Kentucky at Kentucky, Arkansas at Arkansas, and Bama just beat Baylor in their in their own stadium, the number four team in the country, on Saturday. You get to play Bama in the PMAC this time, and you probably get to play them at full health this time, and you only lost to them by three points last time. So, and – let me not look past Missouri. Missouri has had some great games this season, too. They have given – they beat Alabama once and gave them a run for their money another time. So they're not a team to look over. They are 8-12, and 12, so they are they have a losing record, but you don't want to look past anybody. This is the SEC. I, I really feel like the Tigers are going to roll here, especially when, when Pinson maybe can get back to himself. So I'm trying not to worry too much. The TCU loss, you know, got me down a little bit, but I'm trying to keep my head in the right space here with these guys. Hopefully they'll correct some of the the finishing at the rim. And I think by the end of the season, we'll like where the Tigers sit, honestly. I, I really do. Your, your net ranking is still really good. I, I'm pretty sure our net ranking is still top 15. The Tigers did drop in the AP poll to, 20, to 25. I'm not really worried about the AP poll anymore. I'm really more worried about quality wins and RPI and net rankings. That's really what I'm worried about now um, as we look towards the the, the last stretch of the season. Um, lots of wins for LSU left, and there's going to be some games that we're probably going to lose, like, like Kentucky, but there's also chances you can win those games and prove to be the team that you this 
that we know this team really is. I mean, this team, full health, beat Kentucky, beat Tennessee. Like, we beat the Kentucky team that just went and beat Kansas in Kansas. Like, this team has the capabilities to, to do some incredible things. Speaking of basketball, uh, I am excited to announce that on our next podcast, we are going to be having uh, guests on the podcast. The Balcony Bengals are going to be joining us. If you do not know who the Balcony Bengals are, you need to go to Twitter and you need to go look them up and you need to go follow them. They are a group of uh, – yeah, tee it up, tee it up. They are a group of students at LSU that have really done a, a, an awesome job at just showing so much support and love for for, for both basketball teams. And not only basketball, but, man, they're, they're, they're getting excited for, for baseball and, and football. And, man, I'm so pumped and excited and ready to have them on the show. So I'm looking forward to that next week with them. Moving from basketball – to recruiting and still sticking with basketball though here we we've got some 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 news in the recruiting front with basketball and football on Sunday uh news broke Johan Traor has committed to the LSU Tigers Will Wade does it again he reels in another five-star player top 15 player in the country the fourth ranked center in the country I'm telling you, Will Wade really knows how to recruit, and this is another piece of the puzzle that 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 Will Wade continues to add. Now, this is a big commitment, but I know y'all want to hear about football. Zach, give us the latest updates on the football recruiting and what we saw this past weekend because it was a big recruiting weekend for LSU this past weekend. Yeah, man, it was it was, it was a huge recruiting weekend. This past weekend, you had Harold Perkins on campus. You had Danny Lewis on campus during the midweek. You had uh, Jacoby Matthews on campus. Brian Kelly, they were they were recruiting with uh, Douglas, the wide receiver out in Texas. And Reagan, man, if you if you are following social media, it is definitely extremely encouraging on, on Twitter. You, you were seeing. Coaches tweet out as Harold Perkins and LaTerrence Welch and Jordan Allen and Jacob Matthews were all at LSU's campus hanging out, checking out the stadium. Not only that, but La Gritty was there. And they were hitting the gritty with them. Man, that was huge. You know those high school guys, they they love that. They love that, especially, especially at LSU. So you had even had Brian Kelly hitting the gritty. If you're following the Danny Lewis visit, Danny Lewis posted a video similar to what Walker Howard posted, the slow-mo and, and Brian Kelly's dancing. And he's doing like the disco, like running the peace signs through his eyes. And, dude, it blew up again. The last I checked, it was at like, I think, 8 million views or something like that. I'm going to have to go and look it up again and, and see where – where it's at, but 8.3, 8.3 million views right now. Um, some people have been really giving Brian Kelly a lot of crap for those videos. I I just think that is absolutely ridiculous. I saw some comments that from from media members that were saying, like, you know, feel, we feel bad for Brian Kelly. 
gosh, feel bad for the recruit. Are you kidding me? Why do, why do you think that video was posted? Because Danny Lewis wanted BK in the video. Do you think do you think Danny Lewis posts that video if he's by himself? No. He he wanted to get Brian Kelly in on the video. He had seen Walker Howard's video before. He knows good and well that, that Brian Kelly's he's an old white guy, let's just admit it, that can't dance. But man, they love it and they're eating it up. And you you mean to tell me that a that an 18 year old 18, 17 year old kid uh isn't gonna be absolutely ecstatic? that Brian Kelly jumps in that video and dances with him, and then he gets over 8.3 million views? Like, you, you mean to tell me a 17- to 18-year-old kid isn't posting that because he doesn't want profile hits and views? Let's not be dumb, okay? Let's, let, let, let's, let's think of this, log- like, logically, okay? It, this is only good for LSU recruiting. It's getting out there. There, there are 8.3 million people now that know Danny Lewis' name, right? You, you don't think that man got some follows over that video? Stop, stop talking crap about these videos. Stop talking crap about Brian Kelly and how he's da- he's an old man, white man dancing. That's not the point. The point is he is recruiting at a high level, and you're going to be butt hurt whenever these whenever these players commit to LSU and they don't go to your school. So stop, stop complaining. Stop making up bull crap because you're upset that, that Brian Kelly is an old white man dancing on Twitter. Get over it. He's out recruiting you. He's out recruiting your schools. Okay, now, moving on from that. I, I really like our chances, Reagan. <laughs> I, I really like our chances. If you're, if you're listening to this podcast um, on Tuesday – Monday and, and and Sunday night, a lot of news broken, and, and I'll give most of this credit to to Blake Rafino over at AYS. Are you serious, sports? Um, huge shout out to him. Go give him a follow. Go subscribe to his YouTube. He started uh, giving us news on the Twitter space Sunday night that things were going on at Auburn, that things were going down, and uh, we got word Monday that the offensive coordinator. Is, is stepping down. He's only been there like 20-something days, Reagan. Uh, he is stepping down. And Trevante Citizen, uh, from an outsider looking in, uh, it, it seemed like he was kind of leaning towards Auburn. It seemed like Auburn was was a heavy hitter when it came to Trevante Citizen. Uh, and now LSU is going to be able to, do, to come into his ear and say, hey, who's your offensive coordinator? Who's your offensive coordinator going to be? Yeah, because we got Mike Denbrock right here. Yeah, we're ready to roll. And, and now that now that that uh, Joey Burrow has has booted the the Chiefs out of the playoff contention, um, you, you know you're going to get Matt, Matt House back, and and he's going to be able to uh, focus a lot more uh, on LSU and recruiting these 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 big time defensive guys, uh, Jacoby and, and Harold that they're that they're trying to get right now. I, I am very confident. I'm very confident. And where LSU sits right now with with those four major recruits, you've got to get Danny Lewis. I think if there if there's a a need, the biggest need out of those those four guys is Danny Lewis. You really need a, a, another tight end in this tight end room because right now you've got Jack Mashburn, you've got Mason Taylor who's a freshman, uh, and then you've got Cole Taylor, and you really haven't seen a lot of uh, productivity out of those th- those three guys and. 
the Mike Denbrock offense, uh, they utilize the tight end very much. Uh, Brian Kelly, he's going he's gonna to go sometimes into two tight end sets. And so you need another tight end in this class. Danny Lewis is, is by far their, their top target. I think you have to get him. And then, you know, if you get Harold Perkins, you get Jacoby. If you get Trevante, man, can, I, can't, I cannot imagine how social media is going to blow up if you get those four guys. Yeah, I, I mean, if you get those four guys, several people have said it, several different platforms have said it. I don't want to hear anything else about Brian Kelly not being a good recruiter. Stop it. Stop it. He's a good recruiter. He is a good recruiter. In fact, he's a great recruiter, and we're seeing that right now. And if he brings in these four, these four, these four high schoolers, these four incoming freshmen, yeah, a lot of people are going to be eating their words. They're already, and they're going to be eating their words on him dancing. They're going to be eating their words on, on talking about him recruiting. So I'm looking forward to it. I, nothing is, nothing is for sure. Nothing is 100. percent But. I really, really like the chances. Um, Harold Perkins, he, he brought like 20 to 30 of his family members on this visit. I mean, that's really encouraging. I know, I know a lot of that is just because of close proximity for the family, but I think that's very significant if you're bringing basically your entire family, extended family on this recruiting visit. And we also have you know some sources that have told us that it's very likely that Perkins and Jacoby Matthews are, are, are a duo that they're going to, they're going to come to the same school together. So, you know, you, you really like the chances for both of those guys with the Danny Lewis video blowing up. You like those chances. And then Trevante citizen, honestly, I think that's the one that I am the least high on the least confident on right now, but even him with everything going on at Auburn, I, I'm still confident him. Now I'm not going to say we're going to get off four because you know, it's recruiting. Things happen. We remember 20, 2019 when we, uh, from the 2020 class, we missed on Rakeem Jarrett. We missed on Jermaine Burton, you know, and, and, and everybody in LSU thought that they were locks, right? And you missed on those guys. So nothing, nothing is solid. Nothing is 100%. But from what you've seen from these, these guys' own social medias, and, and just other LSU insiders and, and, and LSU uh, other LSU media platforms, things look really positive. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you covered it there. I I I feel the same way. I really do. I like what I saw this weekend out of everything. I mean, shoot, keep dancing. I mean, it seems to draw a lot of attention and 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 light around the program. I mean. Brian Kelly was the number one trending thing on Twitter. I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if it brings pu- publicity and and brings attention to the program, and I mean, Danny Lewis, like you said, was the one who posted it. It wasn't like LSU posted it, so he wanted to post it. Keep dancing, man. I mean, shoot, look, everybody complains about like culture fit and whatnot. Like, if you embrace the culture at LSU, like LSU's going to embrace you. I mean, look at Joe Burrow. He's probably the perfect example of that. Yeah, dude. And, and mentioning the culture, um, AD, he's he's one of the guys that's always in Twitter spaces with us. Um, he, he says this a lot. Man, the culture here at LSU is winning, winning football games. It's winning. That's the culture. Nick Saban wasn't 
a culture fit. Les Miles wasn't a culture fit. And BK isn't a culture fit. If you're just talking about strictly like Louisiana roots. But that doesn't matter. Because what matters to the culture in Louisiana is LSU winning football games. That's what matters. Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, as long as you're winning, I don't think anybody's going to be upset that you have a Boston accent or, or whatever whatever the accent thing is. It, it, I mean, I mean, some of the things that people are just trying to use to, to bash Brian Kelly are, I don't know, I, I think it's kind of like ridiculous. I think you're pulling strings if you're, if you're going after him saying family one time in a different way maybe than he typically says it. And he probably – like you're <laughs> – you're you're standing in front of thousands of people at a at a at a basketball game. Like I, I highly doubt in his mind he's thinking I better have a southern accent for this. Like I think it's like, and I mean <laughs> like he's dancing to get these recruits. Like, yeah, it looks goofy, but I think I think he understands it looks goofy. Like I, I think he gets it. But look, Harold Perkins, Jacoby Matthews. Danny Lewis, all those guys seem to have great visits. It seemed to go over really well. Like you said, Trevante Citizens, it feels like the least likely guy, but at the same time, I feel like he's still a guy you can pull in. I think they're going to finish this recruiting class out strong. And when spring football happens, you're probably, you know, going to see some more transfers out and probably some more transfers in. So that's, I mean, that's pretty typical, I feel like, you know, in the world of transfer portal now, that's you're going to see that every year now. Um, but for this closing class, you know, if you land Jacoby Matthews and if you land Harold Perkins and Danny Lewis and Trevante Citizen, I'm pretty sure aside from transfer portals, it's like the number eight class in the country if you don't even add in transfers. And then if you add in the transfers, like you're probably looking at a top five class. And Brian Kelly has only been at LSU for – like uh, maybe a little over a month or something like that. So really exciting times for recruiting at LSU. And if we can finish these guys out and and get these guys to come to LSU on on signing day on Wednesday, I mean, holy cow. What a recruiting class from Brian Kelly and and all the praise, you know, and, and, and applaud will go to him for what he's done in this short amount of time. But it's exciting for sure, and we'll see. Uh, what happens on Wednesday. Hey, that's all we got for you this episode in the Tigers Avenue. We always appreciate y'all coming and listening and supporting. We got a new uh, website up. Go check that out, tigersavenue.podbean.com. It's got some pictures of us at at LSU games at different times in our our life growing up. It's got uh, some links to Five Star Hero with some of his merchandise and his music. Um, and all of our episodes. So go check us out on our website, tigersavenue.podbean.com, and make sure you go follow us on Twitter, at Tigers Avenue Pod, at Tigers Avenue Pod. Right, yeah, it looks like, uh, looks like we got uh, a guest on today's show for the outro, man. I, what you got for us, Zeke? I'll see you next time. Go Tigers! LSU Tigers, who that, 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 who that
Jacoby, come to LSU. Toby, come to LSU. <laughs> Harold and Jacoby. Jacoby. Come to LSU. Come to LSU. You gonna say it? Yeah. All right, say it. Uh, come into Varsity LSU. Go Tigers! Say, say, bye everybody. Go Tigers. Bye. Go Tigers. No, don't lean into it like that. Look, look right here. Say, bye everybody. Say, bye everybody. Go Tigers. Bye everybody. No, no, no. Like, stay right here. Now say it. Now say it loud. Right there. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't scream. Just talk normal like daddy is right now. Say bye, everybody. Go, Tigers. Bye, everybody. No, no, no. No, not, not whisper. Say bye, everybody. Go, Tigers. Go, Bobby. Bye. Go, Tigers.